One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Musa and I always chat about anything and everything from life, love, happiness, careers, digital technology. So why not share that conversation with all of you. That age-old question I still get asked is, you know, what's the appropriate amount of tweets or messages? There is an appropriate amount. Like, speak when you have something important to say. There's a saying at Apple which is a thousand no's for every yes. And that still stays very true to, to today in that the focus that Apple want to do something, they do it well. One of the, the questions I get asked the most is, yeah, what course should I take? Today, we have more access to learn stuff than ever before. I think we as human beings need to start encouraging ourselves to do more. In this crazy changing world we live in, like if there's other people out there that, you know, they want to lead a career like yours. Yes. What, what have you done right and what would you do differently? Hi and welcome to Inside Fashion. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. This is the BOF podcast and on this week's episode, I'm really happy to have Musa Tarek, my old and dear friend who is now Chief Brand Officer of Ford Motors here at the BOF HQ in London. Musa has taken quite an amazing career trajectory over the last few years, which has gone from Burberry to Nike to Apple and now to Ford in Detroit, Michigan. But before we get started, have you heard about BOF Professional? It's our ever-growing membership community of professionals from around the world in the fashion industry. 
We are thrilled with the response to BOF Professional so far. And, you know, being a BOF Professional member gives you access to everything that we do here at BOF, providing that global analytical perspective, that strong point of view that BOF has become known for. So if you're interested in learning more, click on the link in the episode description. And now here's Musa Tariq, Inside Fashion. Good morning. Morning, Imran. Musa Tariq, fresh from Sri Lanka. Married man, rising executive, digital expert, good friend. All here, finally, you came to my office. I know, you've actually asked me to come by a lot. I've been by once before. You have? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. But you were one floor then. Yeah, now we're two floors. Slowing up. Well, growing. Next time I come, it'll be three. Yeah, four. Well, everyone, I'm here with my friend, old friend, Musa Tariq, um, who is here from Detroit, en route back from his honeymoon um, in Sri Lanka, and just gave us an opportunity to catch up. And I thought, you know, Musa and I always chat about anything and everything from life, love, happiness, careers, digital technology. So why not share the conversation with, um, with all of you? This is the Inside Fashion Podcast. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. And I just thought, Musa, we could start by talking a little about you because many of our listeners may not be familiar with you, despite your legendary status. Um, but can you, can you just walk us um, through your career a bit? I, you know, I met you when you were just leaving JWT. Uh, and you were thinking of joining or entering this wonderful world of fashion. But since then, you've taken quite an impressive, wild, and interesting career trajectory. And just walk us through what you've done, and so everyone can understand why I'm so excited to have you here. Well, okay, first of all, thank you for having me. You know I, I... Never. I think if you Googled Musa Darek interview, nothing would ever come up. So is this the first this, one? This is an exclusive. Oh, wow. Regretting it as I do it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's a chat. I, I loved what you said on the phone when you said that you thought that people would be interested in an outside fashion perspective, which I kind of really love. Um, you, we spoke when I was at JWT as an account executive, and I was obsessed with digital and social media at the time, like obsessed. Yeah. And I was like adamant on starting at a digital agency. And at the time, there was agencies like Glue and AKQA. And a job came up at Burberry. And I, I think if you knew me then, I was the least fashion forward person in the world. I probably still wore Gap that I bought 10 years prior. Um, and No one, well, I didn't hold it against you. I know you didn't hold it against me. I appreciate that. It's a lot. <laughs> and, I, I remember going the job at Burberry, which was to work in their digital department. And I remember going to Burberry for that interview, not knowing anything. I think I picked up a copy of Vogue two days before. First time I'd ever skimmed through it. Didn't mean much. What to me. year was this? Just so we know. Uh, 2004. Maybe. Okay. Uh, and... No, sorry, not, I apologize, not to, probably 2007. I'm not yeah, very good with years. That sounds really right, because I just started writing yeah. BOF. Okay, 2007. Yeah. And I went for an interview, and I sat with Sarah Mann, who's the, the CMO there. And as I was going in to see Sarah, Angela Arendt was walking out at the time. And Angela, Sarah said, Angela, this is Musa. 
he's applying for the digital role. And Angela turned to me and said, ah, amazing. So excited to have you here. And when Angela, you know, we can talk about her, but when she talks to you, she speaks to you as if you're the only person in the room. And she said, I, I'm so excited you're here. I want to be the number one digital luxury fashion brand in the world. And that's in 2007. Yeah. And I, and I, I didn't know what that meant at yeah. the time. I, I genuinely don't think if you asked anyone what luxury digital fashion brand meant at that time, anyone knew what it was. But it, it got me excited, whatever it was. And I went into that interview and, and you know, I got the job. And I was excited because, it, you know, this was the start of something completely brand new. And when you looked at fashion sites only in 2007, I mean, they were flash heavy. They were, you know, things that you would just watch. You couldn't even do anything with them. And it was and that was it. Um, and so that started, you know, a very interesting and really fun time at Burberry. Um, where so you took, you got the job, got the job, you took it, I took it, and the, and the department was how big then? The digital oh, it department? Was, it was me, and they had just hired a digital guy. So I was there to run social, and then Simon Gresham Jones was there to head digital, and it was the two of us, and that was it. And I, wow. and I remember, you know, in, I remember turning up in my first three months. Everyone was so confused by my arrival. Everyone was so confused by my arrival. They like the PR girls thought I was the IT guy, so I was there to fix everyone's <laughs> computer. Because you're Indian or Pakistani, no, 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 or like nothing to do with it. It's just because what? Why did the luxury fashion brand need a digital guy and a, and a social guy? And the, the the biggest thing is for the people who'd been there for many years. A lot of them were like luxury is exclusive, and social media is democratic. So. This, it just didn't make sense at the time. And, and I remember spending six months really just going through an education process of, you know, talking to people about social and the value of social. And I remember, you know, talking about setting up our first Facebook page and Christopher being the guy who would do a video that would go out to the world. And, and that, I mean, can I tell you that story very quickly? Yeah, sure. It was a fun story. Um, you know, I've been working with the marketing team and, and Sarah and we've convinced Christopher to do this video for Facebook and we you know all very excited we filmed this film on the top of Horseferry House it's still probably online and ready to upload it and everyone is standing behind my computer like my you know VP of PR CMO marketing I think even Christopher everyone is standing by my, my computer and so I click the button to press upload and back then, Facebook used to take like 10 minutes. We've, I totally forgot. I uploaded this video, it took 10 minutes to upload. And in this 10 minutes, it's the longest 10 minutes of my life. Because at this point in my life, I'm realizing that this is the first time someone like a Christopher or anyone in the company is going to get outside feedback in, you know, you're, you're, the fashion world at that time was so insular that you'd only get feedback from your friends or media. And, and, you basically and, are in a bubble and it's, you, get, you get people reinforcing. Absolutely. And yeah. the minute this video went up, you know, Bob in Idaho had the moment to say something back to Christopher. Yeah. And I remember it, you know, that 10 minutes was painful. But the moment it went back and the moment we saw that feedback come in, all these comments, I think for Sarah, for Christopher, for everyone who was there at the time, it was incredible because it was this like, wow, the world has changed so much. And, you know, there was so many positive comments yeah. and that changed it for me. But, yeah. you know, but for a very long time, six people were still approving tweets. And, and in hindsight, that sounds crazy. 
And people were like, what do you mean six people? And I was like, it had to go through every single department. Because that's the way the industry all, used to work. All the way to the very top. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened. Because in that six months period, it gave me the opportunity, you know, a, a, you know, a, a junior coordinator at, at Burberry gave me the opportunity to spend time with Angela, gave me the opportunity to spend time with Christopher. And every time I would go and approve a tweet with them, I'd have this opportunity to have this conversation with them about why we were doing what we we're doing to the point where you know by the time i left you know a decision could be made in three seconds to do something crazy as tweet walk for example sure um, so that was that was really fun so that's the education you're talking about the education process yeah and and i, and I think you know for me when you are trying to lead in a, a new area you know at the time social media 50% of my job and, and you know I used to tell my team that's 50% of their job is education like focus on education you you are you are like a doctor and the mm-hmm. biggest mistake they used to do is they used to use these crazy social media terms and expect everyone to understand what they were saying but what a doctor does so well is he'll say the the illness and using the scientific term and then you have no idea what he says and then he goes on to say what it means yeah. in reality and i think that's what we went through this process of yeah. conveying and i think anytime you're a leader or in a in a new space you have to go through that process yeah so at burberry you know starting from that education process you rose through the ranks and you know you know probably a lot of our our listeners will know that burberry became you know, probably the most innovative company in our sector around digital. But after that, you know, after doing that, mm-hmm. you moved on. Where'd you go next? Portland, Oregon. Okay. Got a, got a phone call from Nike and said, hey, we've seen what you're doing at Burberry. Really interested in you coming out here um, and running social media. And at the time, I think Nike has something like 500 social media accounts. 500? Oh, yeah, because it was global, right? Every single country, every single sport, every single marketing department in the world had opened a, a social media account. And it was getting to that point where it was just like free flow, where anyone could create anything. And there was this this imbalance between the value of creating a you know, beautiful 60-second spot and yet someone else being able to take a photo with their phone or something in their kitchen. Um, and so Portland, Oregon was interesting. Um, Nike was a fascinating place. It gave me a real opportunity to learn about storytelling. Mm. And was one of your kind of remits when you arrived to kind of streamline those 500 accounts and in a way bring a little bit more of that Burberry approach to ensuring there was this kind yeah, of a, well, a consistent tone and voice? Or uh, Yes, uh, yes. And, and, and this, the interest is, introduces concept of less is more. Right. Like less is more. We, I think... The worst, the, one of the worst things that ever happened to social media was that Super Bowl moment where an incident happened at the Super Bowl and Oreo created a piece of content. And the next thing you know, everyone is now jumping on this bandwagon that I have to create a piece of content anytime something happens. What happened? Just tell us what happened. The Super Bowl, the lights went out at the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl, American football, not that I know much about it still. Uh, Super Bowl's biggest moment in sporting history of America. The lights went out. And Oreo created an asset that was associated with the lights going out. And, and so it went, it went viral. And it was the first time yeah. there was like real-time reactive content because they, they were the first people to create a content studio that was reactive to what was going on in the world. And, and everyone then jumped on this bandwagon, right? If anything was happening, a brand would be like, right, cool, I need to jump on this. The royal wedding, the, the royal having a baby, like let's create a piece of content. And 
it was the worst thing for social media and marketers because it was like we always had to be on um but at the same time it was getting to this point where people were just engaging in conversation for the sake of crazy engaging conversation and creating content just willy-nilly whenever they wanted right Um, so less is more a more focused approach yeah what else did you do at nike well i i think the less is i do want to touch on the less is more thing because i think it was so important i think in this day and age like i always spoke about my favorite twitter account at the time it was like bbc breaking news yeah and it was my favorite twitter account because when you followed it you knew what to expect right if there was breaking news they would tweet if there wasn't breaking news they wouldn't tweet and i think that's the problem right is that what what's happened was everyone was trying to create any sort of conversation any news and so you start losing the power in what you have to say because you're tweeting for the sake of tweeting to fill a slot absolutely so what we did was we really withdrew the, the the amount of content and we also improved the quality of that content and there was this you know people confuse activity with like effectiveness so if a social media manager at the time wasn't posting every single hour or every single day then what were they doing with their job and so there was just this necessity to like it's that age-old question I still get asked is, you know, what's the appropriate amount of tweets or messages? There is an appropriate amount. Like, speak when you have something important to say. Um, don't speak when you don't. And if and if you have a community manager on your team who hasn't posted in five days because there's nothing that's been said that's worthwhile, that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that person is working on something that's going to be put out in ten days, but making sure that they spend ten days and making sure it's amazing. Sure. Rather than for the sake of it. I think our own social team at BOF would would really love to hear that advice, actually. Um, okay. So then, you get a call, another call. I get a, well, I get another call. Uh, Angela Arendt, one of my favorite human beings in the world, um, moves from Burberry to Apple. Yeah. And I get a call saying, why don't you come over and, 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 and work with her on, on retail and, and marketing? Yeah. And at the time, I was just finishing the World Cup uh, for Nike. Brazil? Uh, Brazil, which was really, really, really fun. An amazing experience. And I said, I asked Angela if I could finish the World Cup, work, and then come over. So I moved over to Apple. So did when you went over to Apple, did you have to interview with anyone else? Or just because Angela said she wanted no, you? No, just... I, I, I did. And, and, and I think because the interview process is a two-way thing, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not just about people interviewing you but it's about you interviewing the sure. people there and so i went over to apple and, and it was great i mean i actually met people who were a bit more like me you know a bit nerdy but super smart in what they're doing and, and really passionate about the company they work for and you know working there was uh, a, a real exciting exciting moment um, angela just started she had a huge opportunity and trying to shape retail and the culture there and, and that was really her focus 60,000 retail employees and and getting them to really understand her vision and, and, and making them feel loved and she did an amazing job doing it. so what was your actual job though so I was looking after marketing retail marketing so I first went in thinking about the experience in retail stores and how we communicate so it wasn't really linked to social at all. No, no, no. That was the first time I kind of moved away from social and digital yeah. um, and thinking about our campaigns for like holiday and so on. And the other thing was thinking about how Angela engaged internally because I think you know, we often think, and I, and I think people now get this, is that we often think that 
you know, when you're new to an organization, the first thing is you have to do is get out there and make change in the world. But, you know, a big challenge for the team is, is getting your employees behind you. And so I spent a lot of time really focused on our 60,000 employees, which was super fun because you've got such amazing employees at Apple stores. Well, right? they, they love such the brand and they love the product. And like they, that's part of the reason why they're there. They do. And then I think yeah. what Apple does and probably invests in more than you can actually imagine is, is how you engage those employees. And it, it's something that, you know, we, we haven't, haven't seen it done in, in any other company as much as Apple do it. Yeah. I'm really caring about their retail employees and making sure that they are as connected as what's going on. And it's something that, again, Angela did at Burberry as well. I remember walking into a store at Burberry once upon a time in, on Bleecker Street in, in, in New York and the sales associate being able to reel off my social media strategy to me was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think many brands do that. Though. Yeah. So. Um. It's funny because like you think you think like a company like Apple, which is a company that everyone looks up to, everyone because Apple's probably like one of the or if not the single most influential company in the world mm-hmm. in terms of like the way we think about design, the way we think about the retail experience, the way we think about packaging, the way you know it's like it's influenced everything. So you'd think that that would be a company where everything works. Like, what was the biggest challenge? for you there you know what it wasn't so much a challenge it was something that i learned there's a saying at apple which is a thousand no's for every yes and uh, again it's it kind of touches on that less is more idea but you know you would have a thousand ideas and none of them would go through other than one or two and i think that's what they do so well this idea of simplifying down to that ideal thing that we we all know that we should focus on and you know, being able to focus on a few things. It's what, you know, it's, it's really well documented when Steve Jobs came back to Apple. One of the first things he did was he took it from, I don't know how many, like 20 or 30 different projects to four. And he said, these are the four things that we're going to focus on. And that's amazing to have that kind of level of discipline to be able to say, right, even though some of these things that we're doing make money, we're not going to do. Um, what he did was he focused on those four things and that still stays very true to, to today in that the focus of an Apple want to do something they do it well mm-hmm. and it might take them two years it might take them three years but when they do it they're going to do it really so what well. does it take to get something approved at Apple and what's the a decision making process or framework that they use because you know Steve Jobs not around anymore so he's not the like but you still you still have that hierarchy, right? There's yeah. still that hierarchy, and you need to get ideas passed through different people to get things approved. And the 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 organization works in such a way that you can't do anything by yourself. And and I think that you know that that's true of any successful big organization. Like if you want to be successful in a big organization, the first thing you need to realize is you are not going to do anything by yourself. Having ha- having the idea is the easy bit. The hardest bit within any company is is selling it through, and I, and I think that sometimes you know that that hierarchy really helps in terms of filtering out ideas that one would. But make. through that hierarchy, do they have some principles for how they decide to do something or not do well, yeah, something? Well, you have a very. I mean, here's, this is the most important thing, and it's 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 applicable to use yourself as a human being. Is right. You have a very clear strategy. You have a very clear vision, and if something doesn't 
align to that vision and that strategy, then you just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know a lot of brands now, a lot of companies don't have a very clear vision. Some, some do, some have clear visions that you can't imagine and therefore the idea of doing something is so silly that you wouldn't even suggest it. Right. But I think, you know, we Simon Sinek and his start with why, when you mm-hmm. think about start with why, 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 why are you doing this? Sure. And that is something that I've, you know, pushed my teams forever to think about, like why, 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 why? It's the question I ask the most. Mm-hmm. And I think once you get to a point where you can't answer that question anymore, that's kind of where you end up. So Burberry, yeah, Nike, yep. Apple, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then I got a phone call uh, from Ford Motor Company. Um, uh, got a call from a headhunter who said there's a role in Detroit, Michigan, and I remember him starting with Detroit, Michigan, which was, I think, as a good salesman, you should know to start with your strong <laughs> first. But surprisingly, you know, this idea of working at a you know 116 year old company, 115 year old company, and being their chief brand officer was was too exciting to turn down. At the ripe age of 34. Yeah. See, most of you you can't see Musa right now, but you know, you you'd think with all of the experiences that he's just described, you think he'd be like much older than he is, but he's 34 years old. Yeah. How like how like how does it take me to that moment? You're like at Apple. You worked at all these great companies and someone from like one of the biggest companies on the planet says, we'd like to, you to consider this role for chief brand officer. Yeah. Like, how do you, we were just talking about this kind of situation where you're, th- you're like presented an opportunity that's so big, yeah. so early in your career. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it's a, it's a really tough conundrum, right? Let's, I mean, let's, the, the elephant in the room is, yes, I am young, which means I haven't been at these companies for a very long time. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? At one point, it was seen as a very bad thing, right? Like, you can't be at a company, you know, you should be at a company for life. That was it for most people. Uh, most of our parents were at companies for life. But yeah, I think the world has changed now. And my where I think like to think that I add value is this idea of diversity and diversity, not just of who I am or where I'm from, but diversity of thought. Um, I do believe that we need to think about companies from a diversity of thought point of view where we should be bringing in people from different industries um, to try and shake them up. And and I think every time I've come to a new company, I've brought a different perspective to it. And so to your question, I mean, I went through the interview process not thinking I was going to get it when that was it. Like I was like, oh, let's check out how this, how it's like to interview at sea level. I don't want to move to Detroit. I'm very happy in San Francisco. Um, but I went out to Detroit and, and met a fabulous leadership team um, and really believed in their, their vision and what they're doing. And, and it was just exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. The auto industry is something that if you go to Silicon Valley today, everyone is talking about mobility. Um, like there was that time where people were talking about apps and social media. And, and now everyone's really trying to tackle big problems. That was the nice thing about living in San Francisco. People are really trying to solve massive problems like where are we going to live when Earth dies, or how are we going to survive without food, and so on, and healthcare. And, and so, mobility is another area of, of really importance. And I think, you know, if there's a company who once did it and revolutionized the world with mobility back in the day with Henry Ford, can, can they do it again? Mm. Um, and it is a super interesting time. So, is that ultimately why you chose to take the job? Yeah, and, and it was a ch- it was it was just. For me, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting and exciting challenge. Um, 
taking a company that is that old. One of the biggest issues with the world right now, and, and I'm not blaming you, but when you think about media companies and your necessity and desire to get tweets out and, and articles out, everyone's looking for newness. Mm-hmm. And so there's this constant desire for new and, and, and what happens to companies that aren't new and what happens to companies that aren't doing brand new innovative things 24-7, they get ignored. Um, and I think that that's had an impact on a lot of Do they brands. get ignored or do they make themselves redundant because they don't change, because they're so stuck in their old patterns of thinking? Well, and, and, and here's the thing, right? Are, are they really stuck in their old patterns of thinking? And is that a necessarily a bad thing, right? So... If, if you're not doing something new, you don't make that list in Fast Company magazine. And I think that that puts pressure on everyone, right? Everyone is like, everyone's feeling this pressure of, oh, I haven't made a list. Even as individuals, people feel this pressure of like, either you've had an epic year or you've had a really terrible year. But this idea of being okay and having an average year is like unheard of now. People like that pressure is gone. So I think the same thing applies to brands as well. Um, you know, if I'm not making that cover of Fast Company magazine, and is my company doing well, um, irrespective of how many of my product I'm selling and so on. So, you know, we talk about like if you, I mean, take the suitcase industry and take what oh, oh you've got a, a way box in here. Like what Jen and the team have done at Away is phenomenal, and it is really incredible that they built a brand from nothing over a short period of time. But the number of suitcases they sell to a Samsonite. It's still small, right? They're still, you know, a year old or two years old. Um, but does that mean Samsonite is is dying, or does that mean that they're irrelevant now? They still sell millions. No, but I think it's that old adage, and I think <clears throat> it's funny because you describe Ford as a mobility company, not a motor company, right? And it's that old adage that you know when you know there was competition between, I think, like you know, horses and trains, it wasn't, or trains and planes, it wasn't about, you know, competing in the train business or competing in the plane business, competing in the business of getting people to move around long distances, right? And so I do think there's still a situation where certain companies are stuck in a mindset where they don't think more broadly about what their business really is. Mm -hmm. Um, But I imagine the reason you chose to go to Ford was because, you know, they're thinking about all sorts of new new ways to think about mobility. And you have totally. all this thing about, you know, well, automated just, cars and, you know, self-driving. Absolutely. You know, all that stuff. Is that, not, that must be super exciting. It, it is. And I'm, I mean, the challenge is, is, and I think this is a bigger problem with the world. You, you take South by Southwest. If you go to South by Southwest now, we're still talking about the state. Remember when we were talking about, like, one-to-one communication and like social mobile and, and local like we've been talking about all this stuff for so long and we're still talking about it like it still hasn't been done and i think th- this is why i hate like doing interviews and panels and stuff because you just end up talking about something for the sake of, it's, it goes back to the idea of newness right if i go up on stage and i don't say something new then it means that i'm either behind or not interesting Whereas the technology still hasn't caught up to what we've been talking about. I mean, we've been literally talking about one-to-one communication in brands for years. This idea of personalization. 
yet you still get emails today that address you like the company doesn't even know you. You still turn up at hotels for the 10th time in a row and they don't know who you are. Um, we haven't solved problems that we've been talking about for 10 Why? years. Because the technology, it, it, the technology still isn't perfect. The amount of investment needed to, 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 to do it is so much money. And I think people are ending up with lots of legacy technology. And so the hype is always bigger than the reality, I think. And I think that's... Isn't it also about the data? I mean, I feel like even for a small company like ours, we have so much data. And, you know, just figuring out how to organize structure and manage that data plus connect that to our products. It's just, you know, it's a, you know if it's challenging for... A company like BOF must for a company like Ford or Apple or Burberry. Yeah. Well, it's it's, yeah. it's expensive, right? Yeah. Technology is expensive, and it keeps on evolving and keeps on improving. But it, you need to make it a priority. But then also the biggest challenge is what is the ROI on that, right? You you've we've all probably spoken about the day where I log on to BOF and it's a different for me as it is for Emma or as it is for you, right? Yeah, like, it's different for all all three of us. But that, like, what is there a benefit that is like, is the benefit in investing in that technology to try and do that so great that it's going to change my behavior and make me come back every day? I don't know. I mean, Amazon have done it really well. Amazon, mm-hmm. your homepage on Amazon is very different from my homepage. But they've gone for a very, very simple approach, right? Where yeah. The- I do think there's value in it. I just think that, like you say, there's like, the technology is not perfect. It's harder to execute. Um, there's so much data. Anyway, back to Ford. Yes. You know, what is your main, what does a chief brand officer actually do? Like, what's your goal? Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing is, is, is brand, chief brand officer roles, that they're, they're popping up quite a bit nowadays. Um, the chief brand officer at WeWork now, chief brand officer at Uber. Um, I think for for me at Ford and one of the reasons I was hired to come in was really try and help them tell their story and in, in, in what they believe in and so I talk about brand very much like a human being we each one of us are our own chief brand officers um, the decisions you make the actions you take they all represent who you are as a human being right your brand might be to be happy your brand might be to be loyal your brand might be to be um, you know uh, intro, like like an introvert whatever that that's who you are and without knowing you and every decision that you make you go back and refer to a secret brand book that you have in your brain that you don't even think about right so if you're walking down the street and you see a wallet how you act at that moment in time is representative of your brand mm-hmm. do you pick it up and then go hunt down the person on the driving license and go to their address or do you take it to the police station or do you just walk by or do you even steal it those four things are four different types of brands. And so as human beings, we do that a lot. We make decisions based on who we are and what our brand is. Brands obviously have hundreds and thousands of people working within them. And so need to be able to start making decisions based on what they are and who they are. And so in this world today where there is so much chaos happening, and, and I think it's really important for us to all to look at our own values um, and question our own values, right? You've you've been in a situation where you've seen a tweet and it might be political, it might be about the Me Too uh, um, situation, it might be about Black Lives Matter and you've questioned, right, do I want to tweet this or not? Where, where do I stand on this? 
So today as human beings, we are looking at our values more than ever before. So now you're doing that for a company. And I'm doing that exactly for a company, right? What, what, do, our, what do our values stand for? And I think, you know, when you look at Gen Z and you look at millennials today, they really, really care what a company stands for. Why does it exist? Um, you know, Evelyn and Michael, right? You guys talk about them a, a great deal. He believes in radical transparency. And, and guess what? Other people believe in radical transparency. And so what we're doing at Ford is really thinking about why do we exist as a company? And, and you know, Bill Ford, our, our chairman, always talks about this idea of you know, mobility being a fundamental human right. Um, if, you, if you can't move, you can't get to food. If you can't move, you can't get to work. If you can't move, you can't get to education. So how and if you can't move, you can't be with your family and like all sorts of things. Absolutely. And yeah. so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fundamental human right. And that's what Henry Ford believed in many, many years ago. And that's what we believe in today. So. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So Musa, reflecting back on this path, it's you know, you've been away from the fashion industry for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious, you know, you still follow it a little bit, yes. what's going on, yeah. right? Now that you're not tethered to like a major player in the industry, yep. it'd be, I think it'd be fascinating to talk to you a little bit about your perceptions about what's happening yeah. in fashion. Like how, how do you think it's all changed since you were like a member of a team of two people back at Burberry when the industry was not at all interested yeah. in digital technology? So I, I always give a great deal of credit to the fashion industry in terms of how quickly everyone then turned on that digital switch, right? There, there, was, a, there was a moment like four or five years ago where like actually if you looked at every single big fashion brand, they were crushing it in the digital space. Their websites had been improved, their social content had been improved and so on. Um, and then I think everything, I think it goes back to that question. People started going, but what's the value in this? Is having an in-house team of 10 people creating content actually making me do better or worse? And some people felt comfortable with it, some people didn't. And um, I think the fashion industry, just like every world right now, is going through this transient motion, right? In terms of who is their consumer, and are they, are they speaking to them in the right way and in, in the correct way? And I think the transitness is obviously you've got all these new creative directors moving into different roles, right? Um, not just wanting to produce product, and you probably know this a lot more than I am, but not just wanting to produce product, but wanting to be control of everything that touches the consumer. But that's a lot of stuff. They're the chief brand officer. They, they are the chief brand officer. And then, and then really your CEO or your chief creative officer is, is fundamentally the chief brand officer because brand is touches everything you do, right? Um, and so I, I do think it's interesting. I do think that, you know, there is a, a challenge, right, of who is your audience? Is it... I'm just going to say this for the sake of saying, is it the, the 50-year-old woman who can afford to buy a Chanel handbag and, you know, once a year or twice a year? Or is it the cool millennial who will still buy a wallet and, and still try and buy something after they've saved up for you know months? Or both. Or, or both. And then how do you straddle those two people, right? Yeah. How, how do you straddle those? But I think that's the challenge. And, and the retail is obviously really fascinating right now. Um, retail for, for Apple, for example, is a brand play. Yes, we sell product, but you can buy product anywhere, but it's a brand play. And so when you look at all the technologies that people have tried in their stores, we've all seen the, the mirrors and the, what the stuff that Reformation is doing and the stuff that Rebecca Minkoff did. I don't even know if they do anymore. Like everyone's tried stuff, but it hasn't really worked and has it changed the game? And I think this, this is a really pivotal moment in terms of being efficient with the decisions you're making in terms of where you want to focus your attention mm-hmm. um and so i you know i i think it's going to be a really interesting couple of years in, in where the world goes you know does it do you go to that place where you go back to exclusivity right a few stores beautiful stores basic websites not that much content on social and speaking only when you need to or do you go the other way where you open up right and i, I think the biggest challenge today for luxury fashion brands is this one about content. And I'll explain this. Um, if you think about content, when we were at Burberry and we were going from you know 
12 Mario Testino images a year to, you know, at one point we were creating three Lord of the Ring trilogies worth of films a season. We were still going through that very high filter of quality in content. But now, you know, you think about that moment when Dove released that ad about you know, um, the, the the model with the makeup, right? The real beauty. The thing. real beauty. That was such a pivotal moment in time because what happened at that moment in time was the world realized that, hold on a second, you can modify everything on a computer. And what's shifted is this idea of Instagram stories and Snapchat, right? And what Snapchat did was it opened up the world. And when I connect with someone and I see their Instagram stories, like I see your Instagram stories when you're on vacation, I'm so much more connected to you than a beautiful photo of a horizon. And that's that's real life. Um, that's when I connect with you the most. And so when you've got a luxury fashion brand, how do you show people that rawness without re- losing the aspiration piece? Is there, you know, when you look at what brands are doing now, is there a brand that stands out to you from the fashion industry that you think, wow, they're doing, they're doing really... Well, like they found their way to, to strike that balance. So, well, so, well, it was interesting seeing your latest article on kind of the most like standout brands of the year and Gucci leading it. I mean, I, I think I tweeted six months ago that their Instagram account was epic. They, they just stood out. Like they took a moment where they're like, right, we're just going to be different and we're going to stand for something. And if you look at their consistency in content on every single platform, they're saying the same thing. Be it when you're, you know, in LA, there's a massive billboard of theirs that looks exactly like what their Instagram account looks like, which looks exactly like what their website looks like. And there's just a consistency and they're they're trying to break through and it's a bit raw and it's not so polished and it it stands for something. And I think that's interesting to me, but yeah, the, I mean, like look at Yeezy's, Yeezy's season six, right? And what Kim Kardashian is like. And, and you can't, whether you like it or hate it, and you like influencers or you hate influencers, you've got to pay attention to them. Because think about the Logan Pauls, the Jake Pauls of the world. I mean, these guys are creating content every day and getting millions and millions of views. So whether you like them or not, they're clearly doing something right. And I think that it's very easy to dismiss influencers. But if, if I'm not looking at brands today, I'm looking at influencers and understanding what they're doing and why are they connecting with consumers so much more than brands are today. And they're doing it because they are just so authentic. And like any relationship, right? If you, if you, I mean, take two people. Again, I always take brands back to like people and people and human behavior. If you take two people and you, you know, two very, you know, two people come together, they go on a date, and they only show their perfect side of each other every single time they meet, they'll never break through. The moment someone shows a bit of vulnerability or someone shows a bit of like weakness, that's when the connection happens, right? It might be the first time that your partner is ill or something happens to them and that you can help them out. They might not want to show you themselves ill, but that's when you connect. And 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 that's actually a proven psychological theory, which is it actually... And if, I learned this in college, but in social psychology classes, can't remember exactly what it's called, but like, if you really want to connect with someone, you reveal something about yourself. Totally. And then it becomes this thing where, oh, if you reveal, I can reveal. So yeah. you, you liken that to brands. I, absolutely. And I think, again, luxury fashion brands have always been about, you've got to show the gloss. 
because that's what people aspire to. But then you, and it's all big brands, right? It's a big challenge for big brands. But you'll notice that when a celebrity does something wrong, and maybe not too wrong, but like when a celebrity like and says apologizes, their fans actually like them more because of that moment. Uh, and for some people, it really works in their favor when they they mess up because they get to apologize and show that vulnerability and it's what makes you connect and so how do brands do that in a way that is you know uh, uh, emotive and gives people that reason to connect mm. that's interesting yeah i mean i i often talk to uh, luxury executives and you know i think one of the things um you know they they always ask like what do you think about what we're doing and how's it going and i still think the industry is so controlled about its messaging but actually if it's about showing the raw authenticity you know i'm fortunate and you you, Mm. you've been fortunate as well to see the inside of how these companies work and the beauty and effort that goes into the creation of every product every moment every event i feel like if people could understand the creativity that goes into the the end product Mm -hmm. and it what and if the communication wasn't just about the end product I think consumers would relate. And I don't mean like the guy in a white lab coat, oh, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that stereotypical oh, image. Yeah. I mean, genuinely opening up the industry. And you're right. Behind the scenes, videos are just as polished as... as I know. As, Everything's just too as, perfect. As, and, and I, and I, but it's a challenging one. Like, how, how do you show people... I remember that the, it was like my first week at Burberry and Alexander McQueen had just used his BlackBerry to take a photo of their stockroom. And I remember seeing this and it ruined, it ruined McQueen for me because I was like, I'm used to their stores being these like luxury marble havens and you've just shown me this back room. And at the time that was like, right, at Burberry we're going we're gonna to really focus on quality. Now you look at today and you've got to show weakness. You've got to show your rawness. You've got to, but how do you do it without, with, while trying to remain like aspirational? Yeah, and I think again, you look at the Kim Kardashians of the world. You look at people, and they they're doing it. They're they're mm. being real human beings. Mm. I I we couldn't have this conversation if I didn't ask you what you think about what's happening at Burberry because it was, you know, it was the place where you got your first big break, yeah. and you know was a pioneer in the field, and yeah. you worked closely with Christopher and Angela, yeah. and were part of the team that helped create that huge success and now it all seems like it's being dismantled Mm -hmm. you know angela left a few years ago christopher is just about to do his last show like what do you think about everything that's happening there i mean well well, first of all it was still when you if you were to ask me my favorite time in my career it was definitely those years at burberry and it's not because everything was going well it's because the team that Angela, Christopher and Sarah had put together at the time was just, they were amazing. They were really an amazing group of people who have amazingly gone on to do amazing things. And I think that that's just natural in any company, right? When you, a company starts doing well, people start looking to that company for talent and they start, you know, offering huge sums of money to, to get, get people to work elsewhere. And so it's, it's hard to say no. I think that, you know, fashion is ups and downs dude like you you know this better than anyone else companies have moments and today it's gucci and tomorrow it's someone else and day after it's someone else so i think it's they're just going through a cycle really and and 
you know the the team there who are still there some of the nicest people in the world and some of the most talented people in the world and Christopher is one of the nicest human beings in the world um, and I think that you know they're just having they're going through one of those moments um, but what went wrong because something went wrong like something stopped working I I don't know I I think it, I think it's inevitable I think it, how it's so hard to stay at the top for so long in fashion I mean again go back to that idea of newness right when you've got something that's working for you when do you stop doing it to try and do something new it's it's the this is the biggest issue for big companies today right hey we've been doing this for 140 years or 110 years or 50 years and it's working for us and now I'm going to be crazy enough to change the model and I think that that happens in fashion is that you you do something and it works well and you you it's very hard to stop doing that and try something else and I think mm. you know it was it was time for a new new guard to come along and, and need that space um and so I you know I, I'm not connected to to Burberry as much as I was when I was when I was there so I can't tell you the, what happened I don't think anything went wrong I don't think anything went on. I think it was just a, a natural cycle in fashion. When mm. you know this better than anyone else, when has any brand been able to stay on the top for as many years and as relevant? Mm. Um, before we end, mm -hmm. I have a couple of like career, yeah, life advice things because I think you know we have a lot of young readers, listeners. Um, you know how. First of all, where do you get your information? Like what's, you know, what's your daily habit of understanding what's yeah. going on in the world, making sense of everything that there's so much, you know, as you said, like there's just like we're overloaded with stuff. Like how do you manage there it is. all? I think you have to curate where you get your sources and information from because it can get too much. Like my focus is Instagram, Twitter and, and LinkedIn. Like, believe it or not, like, I really... In that order? Um, no, probably Twitter more so nowadays than anything else. That's interesting yeah. because everyone thinks, and the data yeah. shows that Twitter as a platform has been decreasing in terms of yeah, usage. Yeah, but you still have, it, it, like, it is, it, it's thought leaders and media, like, they still use it so much that I get so much of my information from them. And I think, when in my life do I ever have... I was born in... A really funny story to very quickly and I'll digress but I recently told someone I bumped into someone from London in Detroit Michigan and they were like where were you born and I was like oh I was from London and I was born in Queen's Park and they're like oh that's fancy when I was in Queen's Park when I was born Queen's Park was not fancy at all right gentrification has happened but when I was growing up I had no opportunity to get access to people who were leaders in marketing leaders in fashion and i think like i wish twitter was around when i was younger because it would have been so much more different and much easier journey for me mm. um but i do you know i look to twitter to get access to thoughts and thinking from people who are are there a couple of accounts that you particularly like or people that you particularly no, like? no i think over the years i i have just followed like you know a certain group of people well, and, and i'm gonna like, you're not gonna tell us but i'm gonna go check out who you're yeah, I mean, and then it's, it's not a small group of people. Yeah. I think it's like a, a couple of thousand people. Oh wow, okay. But it is, but it, but it, you know, it's 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 leaders in marketing, or it's leaders in you know, uh, fashion, and it's people with different thoughts and opinions of the world. And I and I think that you know that that to me is a great source, and it's it's something that's easy and accessible. And you know, one of the, the questions I get asked the most is, yeah, what course should I take? 
or how do I learn more or I have a boss who's not teaching me enough. Today, we have more access to learn stuff than ever before. I watch a TED talk every week of my life. It takes me five minutes or 10 minutes every week. And yet I feel far more educated. I can go onto the YouTube homepage of Stanford uh, University and hear their keynote speakers. Like you have access to so much information right now that you can ultimately do your career completely using the internet. Um, and so for me, it's just, it's just, amazing actually so twitter first then instagram yeah and what then, and what do you LinkedIn. use instagram for following really cool people who i will never be friends with because they're so cool <laughs> and and seeing what they're doing and how they're doing and what they're focused on and i think you know access to those kind of people and the way they think about style and creativity and like you know if you take virgil for example and his collaboration with off-white i think if you look back far enough into his feed and you followed his stories for a while you would have seen what was coming with the Nike collaboration because he shows a lot of inspiration. He shows a lot of what he's thinking about. And it's, it goes goes back to that raw, rawness and imperfection. I'm obsessed with imperfection right now. I think imperfection is what connects you with things and people. And like, I'm finding it hard to let go. My feed is still very curated. I want to be able to show more imperfection in my life. I want to show the shitty hotel rooms I have to stay in rather than just the best ones. I want to show the, the really bad times I'm having because I do think that's what... You know, people connect with whereas if your life is always perfect and people see no one's life is, i saw that thing you did maybe it was a few months ago where you took like a 24-hour trip all on your own and you like yeah. instagram story the yeah. whole what was that about oh i was i said before i got to the end of the year i wanted to do something that made me feel uncomfortable every week so one thing i did every week and it was just it was going away for 24 hours by myself and I was uncomfortable. Why was that uncomfortable? Because I don't like going away by myself. I'm not like, I, I, can, I can't eat in a restaurant by myself. I'd rather take that food to a room or a hotel or my bedroom and eat there rather than sit That's in a restaurant. That's really good. I, let's talk about that later tonight yeah. because I have some thoughts on okay. that. Um, but, but there is this idea of just like doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And, and everything that I did that made me feel uncomfortable, nothing killed me. It just made me better. And totally. I just don't, I think we as human beings need to start encouraging ourselves to do more. Mm -hmm. And then what do you use LinkedIn for? LinkedIn is, is my biggest, best kept secret. Okay, share it with us. Well, it, 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 it just, the today LinkedIn, you once upon a time about used to be connecting with people that you worked with, right? Now they've created a feed, right? Which is very much like a Facebook feed. And I don't know how long this will last, but when you post to it, the engagement you get there is insane. There are so many people who are logging into LinkedIn every single day because they're looking for jobs or they're trying to be connected with people. Uh, and, you know, I think that is, it's, it's a secret of mine, but like whenever I post to Instagram, uh, to LinkedIn, the, the, the exposure I get, you should try it. Seriously, you'll get more like, you'll get more views on LinkedIn than you will anywhere. And it's a different audience. Okay. Completely different audience from my Twitter audience, completely different audience from my LinkedIn audience. Mm -hmm. And it's people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, and lastly, yes. so advice. Yes. So you've gone on this, wow, super high overachiever trajectory. You've, got, you've worked at like four or five world-class organizations. Like in this crazy changing world we live in, like if there's other people out there that, you know, they want to lead a career like yours. Yes. What, what have you done right and what would you do differently? So should I, I tell you a secret? No, I, well, I'll tell you a story that I haven't really shared publicly. I had been at Burberry for three years and 
the, the thing that Angela and Christopher did really well for me and Sarah, man, he was they. I got promoted every year. I was in February, which is unheard of, and and I respect them a lot for doing that because I'm sure it pissed off lots of different people, but it was it was great because they recognize the importance in digital and social media and keeping good talent. And then three years in, I basically got to this point where, for some strange reason, I just wasn't loving work and there was no reason not to. I love the people I was there, we were doing some great stuff. I just wasn't loving work. And I went into this meeting and it was 15 people and Christopher was there and I was just quiet. I wasn't my usual self. And at the end of the meeting, Christopher texted me and said, are you okay, right? First of all, phenomenal that he even recognized that I was quiet and, and I said, yeah, everything's fine. Because obviously you want to pretend everything's fine. A month later, the same meeting goes by. And again, I'm still not feeling coming in every day. It gets the same message from Christopher. Are you sure everything's I'm fine. A week later, we've got a big executive offsite. And I, you know, I, I'm sat next. They told me to sit next to Christopher, which is like oh, amazing opportunity normally. But when you're kind of not sure what you're doing with your life, a bit awkward. And he says to me, you know, we, we're talking. And he, at the very end, he says, is everything all right? He goes, I can tell something's not right. And I said, Christopher, I just don't know what it is. I just don't know what, I don't feel like I want to, I don't know why I don't want to come in anymore. I don't know why I'm not engaged. And I, everything's been amazing. Everything should be perfect right now. And he said, what do you want to do at the pinnacle of your career? And I said, I, I have no idea. He said, think about that for a bit first. And so I went away for a week and, and I came back and I said, this is what I want to do at the pinnacle of my career. And he said, now does coming in every day get you there? And I said, no, it would have to, I would have, and so he said, what would you have to change? So I said, we'll change these things and it will help me. And so they changed those things and all of a sudden I felt like, yeah, I'm enjoying my job. And my metaphor for this is simple. If I gave you keys to a um, Ford GT, Ford GT is a $450,000 Ford, beautiful, amazing, crazy reviews, and you sat in it, whether you liked cars or not, you would have an immediate smile on your face. You'd turn the engine, the engine would roar, and I'd, I'd say like, Imran, take these keys and just drive. So you would drive and drive, and you'd have massive smile on your face, and 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes would go by. And knowing you, I know you're quite impatient. After an hour, you'd call me up and go, Musa, this is great, but where do you want me to take the car? And I said, you just keep driving. Keep driving, keep driving. At some point, you'll get so frustrated that you get out of the car and just leave the keys somewhere and just be like, Musa, I'm out. Versus if I said, hey, here are the keys. Can you drive the car from here to Hyde Park and leave it there? You would drive from here to Hyde Park and you would say, that drive was amazing. That would take about three minutes yeah, from here. irrespective. <laughs> the d difference between the two is you're in the most amazing car in the world. And yet in one instance, you get frustrated and one you don't. And I think the key, and that's what happens in our careers every day, is we're in so involved in them at the moment that we, we forget where we're going. We forget what the final destination is. And, and so one of the questions I always ask myself every day is, is me coming in today going to get me closer to my pinnacle? And as long as the answer is yes, I keep going in. Uh, and if that answer changes, then, then I say no. And the pinnacle can change. But having that pinnacle really helps me answer that question. What, and it gives you will purpose. you share what your pinnacle is no, with them? No, it, it changes. It's too personal. No, and it changes all the time. Yeah. Um, it, it does, sorry, it doesn't change all the time, but it changes often. And it, and it can be a pin, it can be even a, a title, right? It could be CMO of a huge organization, or it could be, hey, I want to have a job where I can spend X amount of hours with my kids every day 
in a really warm country. And that can be my pinnacle. And everything changes. But the question that you ask yourself every day is, is does, does what I'm doing today get me closer to that? Mm. And as long as the answer is yes, you will find a self sense of like personal being. Mm. So what is your purpose in life? We start asking ourselves these questions. Mm. If I, you know, we, we don't take the time at all ever to write out our own strategy and what our own plans are for ourselves. If you give someone on your team a project, for example, the first thing they do is go sit down on a piece of paper and start writing out like their research or their thinking. But how often do we do that for ourselves? Mm. When have you ever written a strategy deck for I mean, you probably have. No, actually, oh. you'd be surprised. But, but we should all. Why, why don't mm. we all have our own strategy decks? Why don't we all have a, our own strategy, our life strategy that we can evolve and change? But take the time to sit down with a piece of paper and write down what it is you want in life. Yeah. I think that's such good advice. I think having having that sense of like purpose and you know whenever I get asked those questions about you know you know, how did BOF happen? I mean BOF didn't happen because I said I'm going to create BOF. BOF happened because I was looking for a way to align like my purpose and my passion and my career. Yeah. And you know, and when you find alignment between those things you know, um, magic stuff can happen. Totally. Yeah. We just, we honestly don't take enough time to think about ourselves and our journey. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Musatari. Hey, sorry. Thanks. I could go on for hours and hours. Yeah, I know you could. <laughs> oh, we could. But I, I've been told to keep it a bit yes, shorter yeah. this time. Um, it was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. And by the way, while I'm here, congratulations on what you have achieved. Because if I have had any vantage point as an outsider on bof it's, it's been pretty phenomenal i'm gonna write a book about it because you're gonna write a there book was about a time it. there was a time where you were you were emailing verbally and going hey i, I can't get into the show or Do you remember like, that miles friedland I, I, I used to beg that guy i, I remember you used to call me up and or you used to go hey i can't i can we can only get one ticket and it's like five rows back and so on is there anything you can do to help and to look at where you are, like when I watch a live stream and you're sitting front row, I'm like, look at how the world has changed and yeah. evolved. And it, it's, um, have you read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit? No. You have grit. Like you have grit and what you have done to be able to try and tackle that has been amazing. Um, and again, you're probably in the same situation. Digital, digital magazine, why, why does anyone want that? Hmm. Um, and look at where you guys have come, so congratulations. Thank you, Musa. Pleasure. All right. Chat with you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for that conversation, Musa. That's all for Inside Fashion this week on the Business of Fashion podcast. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. If you enjoyed today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe to the Business of Fashion podcast. We're available on pretty much every podcasting platform out there. Give us a rating, share it with your friends, talk about it on social, and uh, share some of the insights and things that you learned from today's conversation with Musa. We'll be back next week with another illuminating educational conversation taking us inside fashion. If you have enjoyed listening to Musa's stories and advice, you might be interested to know he has produced an online career development course with the Business of Fashion, where he explains all of his strategies for success and turns them into a framework that anyone can apply to their lives. 
Click on the link in the episode notes to explore the course, Build Your Dream Career. For a limited time, we are offering BOF podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on Musa's course. To receive your discount, enter the promotion code PODCASTMUSA at checkout. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.